clubhouse. This is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Welcome to Conversations with Eliza, the next podcast where we talk about the Fox TV show next. Tonight we're talking about episode file number four. It was written by Adam Simon and Zachary Ryder, and it was directed by Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, Stay tuned for the end of this episode because after we're done talking about it, we have a great interview with CM himself. Michael Mosley. He was actually a lot of fun. Caroline and I had the chance to talk to him at this point several weeks ago, but I think it's a great interview and I hope you guys uh, stay tuned to listen to it. I was super happy to get a chance to actually ask CM himself about this episode because this was such a heavy CM background story, which I was not expecting. Were you guys? I was expecting one, but not so early in the season. I mean, I mean we're only at episode four of a eight, ten episode season. So, yeah, I, I didn't think we would get so much backstory on him, at least so early. So I was pleasantly surprised because he was one of the guys I've been looking forward to learning more about. Now that we know a little bit about his, I'm interested to see if we'd learn about Gina and why she wants to stand on his dick so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. You know, she definitely wants to stand on his dick and hate him, but she also can't quit him. You know, there's, yes. there's, she stares mm. at him kind of like puzzled. Like she wonders, like, what does that taste like? Ooh. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't know if she's fully repulsed by him, but there's also something that kind of draws right. like him she, to her. She wants to try the veal, but she's philosophically against it. Yes. Ooh, she's, nice. she's an, eth- she's an ethical <laughs> vegetarian, but she's, she's thinking about that meat. So, so because we hit CM story super hard in the interview, we are going to talk about some of the other aspects of this episode. Paul, give us a question that had your head scratching in episode four. Personally, I would like to review what it is that we know that Eliza is capable of because Paul makes some scary guesses to try to motivate the FBI boss into action. But we don't actually know. And when you say Eliza, you mean the entire next. Yeah, yeah. Whatever we're calling right. it. You're right. It's not Eliza. It is next. So, Mike, what do you think? What is next's reach, if you will? How far and what is this thing willing to do? I mean, we've seen it crash a plane. We've seen it turn off medical equipment. We've seen it take control of security guard dogs. It's Pandora's box is open. Next is out in the world. And so I think there is nothing it can't do. You know, it's still in the learning stages. It's still in its infancy. And think about what it's accomplished. Can one of you guys explain to me the biological virus portion of this episode? Am I saying that correctly? Was it biological or was it, do we mean a computer virus? No, I think Paul was talking about uh, something that would get us sick. How, guys? How? What does that mean? Well, I think that's why it might have spent some time at, at Biomotion. Richard's yeah. place, right. It was because they had the kind of tech that might be able to physically build that like kind of cells. thing out of nothing. Yeah. Right. You oh, remember yes. in the er- early in that episode, there was a whole focus on the fact that they were printing a human heart, yes. um, like 3D printing a human heart. And and bio 3D printing is a thing. That's what bio, bio motion dynamics, I think was the name of the company. Um, I think that's what they, that was like their main gig. I mean, they were, they were running the gamuts on high end tech, but their bio, uh, their actual organ 3D printing stuff was like a big focus of theirs. Creating cells, right? Is what well, we no, I, well, I mean, they were creating like actual livable ar- organs. So you mm-hmm. wouldn't have like a, a mechanical artificial heart anymore. You would have an actual biological actual heart, like a like a actual made of 
made of cells kind of heart. I think what Paul was explaining to the FBI boss, Ron Mathis, RIP, that he was, that they had stopped a bio, bio motion in order to kind of pick up the skill set needed to start crafting a virus that it could somehow then release into the wild. Okay, so then Paul, like in your question, does that kind of like stretch how far you think Next is willing to go? Because before it was a lot of like playing games with numbers on the computer or maybe even controlling machinery to turn off, turn on. But like this is something else, right? This is like an actual like inventing of something that comes into our world. That is part of it. Another part introduced in this episode were two things. One was the almost real-time manipulation of Mm. video, and the other one was apparently the Manchurian candidate-izing of Darren. I was assuming he was watching the screen, Mm -hmm. getting a message, getting brainwashed, Mm -hmm. and going forth with a bomb. Manchurian Candidate's a story about a guy that was essentially brainwashed, and when a certain message came through, he was like activated to go and kill, was it a president politician something like that and uh yeah that, that's <laughs> it's a very old story so i'm not really ruining any, anything for anybody uh there was a show that aired but i think it was late 2019 called treadstone uh it was a show on usa based in the born the born books the born movies it was based in their universe but it was a tv show focusing on the cia outfit called treadstone the main plot line was that we had brainwashed or treadstone had brainwashed all of these people around the world and then suppressed all of their memories they taught them basically like matrix level kung fu skills it just made them assassins made them like agents of death but then sent them back out into the world you know one was like a like an oil rig worker like up in alaska one was like a stay-at-home mom in in korea you know like just going about your your normal lives until you received a piece of paper which had certain configuration on it it had like an icon on it whatever it was triggered your skill set your your brain turned on kind of thing that's just a kind of a recent version of the same kind of brainwashing idea that the, these this this thing inside Darren was dormant in him until it was turned on and triggered by the the deep fake video or whatever he was watching on the screen So that was super freaky, especially that entire concept of, you know, we've all been living with this idea of fake news to see something be manipulated practically before your eyes and realize that I didn't even think that that was possible. But we know from talking to Manny Cotto that everything on here is based on real tech that exists. That creeps me out. Well, I have software that'll add lens flares to, uh, or muzzle flares. But to happen in the moment. But real time. Right. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Sophisticated deep fakes are scary enough because they become so prevalent. It's really fueled the whole concept of fake news and the distrust in media and news reporting and the things you see on the internet. So that is real and scary enough. But then to see it done so real time, like like almost instant real time, that's a next level terrifying. These two things together felt a little too 2020 to me. Real time deep fakes and the idea of a perfect human termination event virus mm-hmm. seems all too 2020 to me. So how do you guys think that audiences are going to receive this episode, given that it is just so close to home right now? Hmm. Are people going to click? the episode off and be like I can't are they going to be able to take this because this whole time has had these layers of realism the whole like wait a minute I'm scared what my Alexa could do wait a minute I'm scared about medical equipment now now I'm scared 
are people going to be able to take this or is this just going to be like really frightening? So when Paul and I, you know, talked to Manny way back when, one of the things we, we, we talked about was the fact that this show being set in the present added a, a whole level of terror to it because of the the realism aspect and the fact that it's not, you know, 10 years in the future, it's not even in a couple years in the future, it's like a now future or it's a now time setting adding to the heightened feeling of it. The problem is we're currently living through a real world nightmare, a global nightmare. I think maybe it's too, too much already for people. I can't imagine this is going to sit well with people who are already scared of their Alexa or, you know, after watching the first couple yeah. episodes, then, you know, you're taking it. Oh, Alexa's just not listening to you. It's actually engineering a virus to kill you. Right. So that actually, I think, played into the fact that we just recently found out that Next is not going to have a second season. Are you guys surprised? Do you think that they were getting any type of backlash from audiences saying, like, this is just the wrong time? If you put this out last year... Maybe this would have been like a massive, massive hit. But right now, it's not that it isn't a great show. It's just that people can't take this information in. When I saw the news about the cancellation coming only after two episodes, I can't say that I was overly surprised given the short leash that sci-fi shows on network TV kind of get in general. I guess two episodes was a little shocking. I mean... Starting the show right before the World Series and the election, kind of giving it a giving it sort of like a, a bum chance at get at building a a following that that knows what time it's on. Not that that's so important anymore. No, but... I think it is because I mean we saw. I mean Fernanda was a wonderful guest that we had on for an interview, and she you know felt compelled to come on Twitter and say. Next is still playing. Like, please still tune in. We are still showing episodes because she even said there's been a lot of confusion about whether or not this season is still happening and stuff. So clearly audiences have been kind of unsure how to handle this show. Scheduling will will sink a viable show. Yeah. Good uh, point. Maybe it's just that I don't look for it, but I didn't see a lot of advertising either. It's a weird time for production. I think... I was I wasn't surprised for a lot of the same reasons that Paul said that it got canceled. Network, network TV, network TV, even basic cable and sci-fi shows or like cutting edge shows, high tech shows, they have to really take off with audiences almost immediately because they do tend to be a little bit more expensive because there's there's technology involved, you know, and and special effects are expensive, and that's always the case. I was surprised because of the two episodes only that it aired. It was almost as if Fox let it air just so we could announce maybe that it was going to get canceled because it didn't set it up in any kind of way to really let it get legs. People have been conditioned, especially to a serialized show, which this is, to be able to watch multiple episodes back to back. You know, we've created a whole binge culture. Whether it's justified or not, shows need now more than two episodes really to hook people. It shouldn't, but... Shows need some room to develop a following, I think, and network shows also. And so I think they pulled the gun really, really fast. I think the fact that it happened right before the World Series and then the election, the night that episode four is airing, I would have liked to have seen episode one because people will be, you know, more in the mood to watch television, right? Because there won't be a sports event. There won't be a national campaign, uh, you know, event going on. You know, people will start looking at TV again or looking for TV. You know, what's weird, though, Mike, is that... 
you know, they still pulled in three million or so. I didn't think the ratings were bad. I mean, they weren't great, but for COVID times network television, I didn't think they were that bad. You put those numbers on the sci-fi network or something, or maybe TBS or something like that, and they're fine. We just got done watching the third day. They A good night would have been pulling in a half million on, on HBO. You know, right. Well, but again, no, the models are so different, though. Very right. Different, so, right. you know, a, a network show has a completely different behind the scenes makeup for what kind of numbers it has to do, what kind of demographics it has to hit. That's than, the irony. Than, than, you take that show and put it on sci fi. You don't get John Slattery. <laughs> <laughs> to get a John Slattery on on cable, you have to put it on a premium cable channel. You have to put it on HBO, or you have to put it on one of the uh, what the quote unquote like high end luxury brand you know cable shows, AMC, uh, FX, something like that. Yeah, yeah right. you're not getting John Slattery for USA or for or for sci fi or something like that. Right. And you know Fox has FX. I mean, and and they put on like high end quality television on FX. The stated reason, of course, is that the costs of production have have skyrocketed in COVID times. And that's not going to go away anytime soon. So if you have a show that's already expensive uh, production cost-wise, which I'm sure the show is, uh, remember, it was made prior to the pandemic. That's how it was able to air. They finished... And it was made in Chicago, which is right. sort of an up-and-coming place to make shows not really like an established like we have all our shit like at atlanta or something like that right right i mean unless you're in the dick wolf empire right not a lot of stuff is shooting in chicago on a regular basis i mean they they had the the chicago one world has like a whole infrastructure set up there yeah right the deck was stacked against it but i would have liked to see more than two episodes there before they made that decision well because here's the thing why cancel it after two episodes but you're still going to air the entire season that's a that question mark in my brain is will as a long time TV watcher I've seen canceled shows get their last few just shuttled on to online distribution or something and leaving the fans like just like oh, sure okay. but I've fought, Fox took the step though of saying in their statement that the entire season would oh. air but Caroline is right I mean Fernanda actually took to social media for that same exact reason and, and made and had to clarify that point and I think she even phrased it that way there seems to be a lot of confusion blah 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 the Fox cancellation notice came with a stipulation that the entire season would air so if you're going to air it because you have to fill content right you had 10 hours scheduled of this show to air so you got to fill it with something why make the announcement now because what if the show takes off in episode five six seven and becomes like this breakout hit now that people can turn their attention to something less serious like than like the presidential election or like the world series because some people take that very seriously you're gonna uncancel it i don't know you're right though i mean why announce the cancellation right now and kill the part where people are like well uh you know this show might have a future i'll start watching it um, right let me get let me get into this really serialized serious high-tech show that i know has been canceled already who who not many people are making that calculation uh which is sad but we're gonna stick with it you guys because there are still questions that i have that i'm hoping that season one will answer for me such as yeah I want to know what's up with Ted LeBlanc. I want to know why he's sending this team off to figure out what's going on over here with Dr. Parrish. I want to know what is happening. What is his vested interest in this situation? Do you guys have any theories? You think it's more complicated than he's just trying to save his ass? That he doesn't want to be out of probably one of the cushiest jobs in the industry? I don't know. 
I don't know if it's more complicated than that because watching those like three SUVs like like up to the building like was all so dramatic. Like there was so much like more than just like damage control PR for the company. It seemed so much more, I don't know, exciting. Like there was something like he was actually actively, I don't know. I don't know what it is, guys. I don't have a theory. It's it's like they're working for the same thing, but for different reasons. Okay. The LeBlanc brothers back again. Well, they but they both want to recover this server, but they, they're not as smart as Paul and Paul is still just a step behind next. Right. So they're just writing Paul's coattails. That's the whole thing. There's nothing more exciting to, to Ted's story. Well, they want the server back too. Uh-huh. But, but just to save face as a company, there's nothing more exciting? I think so. I mean I, – I'm more nefarious. I think they both they both want to put the genie back in the bottle. I think Paul wants to do it to save humanity. I think Ted wants to do it, one, to save his job, but two, to rework it. And see how they can make it a little less murderous, a little less stabby <laughs> nice. of an AI system. I'll take that. I'll accept that as an answer. Well, I, I'm not done with Ted yet. Ted has some questions. Oh, right. Ted I has – he needs to answer for some crimes and misdemeanors in this episode. How many payphones could possibly be left in the world? <laughs> Why are you beating up this poor, poor payphone? Its life is already difficult enough. It's an antique. Yeah. Motherfucker, leave the payphone alone. What <laughs> are you funny. doing? I was really upset. I was, the nostalgia in me like was fuming. I was fuming. Having so. having seen that same actor in in Ozark, I'm going to now have to associate him with being able to keep it together in front of people and then wildly losing his shit. Yeah, losing his shit emotional yeah. kind of stuff. You know, like in this episode he like drops to his knees after that one call in his house and he's like kind of like banging his head against the floor like shit shit but you can't say shit so that's it y'all just pissed about the payphone got anything else mm. no i i <laughs> he does if if you were to say something like we were going to find out that he had more than just his professional reputation at stake if you were gonna if you were to find out that that he had that next had some shit on him like i don't know had his bank account by the ball sack something or like that was doing something else had one of his children or doing something i don't know what like i i just feel, i want there to be more layers to ted if it's simply to save face for the company and do the things you guys said okay i'm with that but i kind of want there to be something more there might be they haven't exposed a lot about ted yet though yeah, he's still kind of an enigma. They, you know, they haven't come back around him yet. I mean, he seems duplicitous. He seems he seems like he's leaving this double life, right? He's at home trying to have, you know, like or like you know, drinks and relax with his wife, kind of thing. And and then like she like turns her her back, and then like he's like making freak out faces, you know, as he's taking calls and stuff. So he's not being up on the up and up with anyone at this point. I, I agree with you, Caroline. I, I'd like to see that there's more there, but something tells me at this point anyway, he's kind of written just like the big bad money grubbing, you know, money monster kind of thing. You know, because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's that, he's that younger brother trope, right? Always lived in the shadow of the smarter brother and it's given him like this inferiority complex. And I think that's what's driving a lot of Ted's actions is, is the inferiority complex to his better, smarter brother. We've been getting spoiled by watching Succession, I think, Caroline. I think that that's very possible. I think I could be spoiled by a lot of shows, to be honest with you, at this point. Trying to figure out. Because I want more motivation for everybody all the time. Trying to figure out the Roy family is hard. not everybody always has it. Very true. Like, is Roman actually capable or not? I Shit. I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. 
David Tennant does a podcast. He had on Brian Cox recently in his season two of his podcast. And uh, it's a fantastic interview. It's a lot of fun. But they talk about Brian Cox, how originally his character in Succession was from Quebec. And it was at the yes. end of season one that they came to him and they changed it that he was actually from Scotland from yeah. like the from the place where he was in Scotland like yeah. where Brian Cox was from and they like retconned everything kind of for it. Well they kept um, the Quebec part. It's both. He the family came from Scotland then moved to Quebec and then he moved to to New York New York but the James Cromwell still lives in Quebec. His brother. His brother. Yes. Go listen to the interview. It's actually very delightful. So this is Doctor Who. He was the 10th Doctor David Tennant. Yes interviewing that's interesting do you watch succession i watched like a lot of season one and then it it's on my to-do list it's on like my pile of shame of stuff to get to <laughs> uh the david Tennant podcast though is fantastic he is delightful it gets people to open up and he has great guests they're really great conversations i highly recommend them. and very watchable doctor my second favorite doctor but i know he's many people's favorite doctor uh, <laughs> i also suggest you watch him in broad church he's uh, fantastic yeah. in broad church uh, but this is not a doctor who podcast though that would be a that would be an amazing thing to do what do i want to know i want to know is paul having an elaborate episode in the bathroom with the phone call with the sketchy phone call on the burner cell phone where they've tracked it down to give him test results abby's test results and then right after that he hears the men the, the fbi guys talking about kind of like being on the take and you know how they're kind of like you know you know pot committed is that all real is that all elaborate Paul fantasy and a hallucination? Is it a combination of it? I think that it's really important for us to stop and ask, like, where is Paul right now in his in his illness? Because the ticking time clock part of this is a huge motivation to figuring this all out. So it actually stands to reason that it should be a hallucination because we haven't really had that otherwise in this episode. And we need to continuously check back with how much he's deteriorating, right? So it kind of seems yeah. like it has to be. Things like stress are known to kind of exacerbate that sort of sort of behavior. And I don't know, that, in that moment when he was pleading with Abby to just, just go, just leave with him. Remember when we visited my grandmother in the home and there was just like a constant state of confusion and kind of like sadness on her face. He had that same look, just that sort of like scared and like, I don't know what, how to handle this. I just know we need to go kind of, yes. kind of look, you know, I, there's a lot of reasons why he could be doing that, but you could choose to look at it like his mind is playing tricks on him. Cause I think there are at least two cases of hallucinations in this episode. One being the computer technician that was there and then wasn't there Two being the phone call and three like you said mike possibly being the corrupt agents we had talked about in a previous episode about whether or not abby will come up questionably positive for his same illness remember i said is it possible that no matter what it's going to say she's positive mm. and it would be curious to know if Maybe he didn't even take the test, guys. You know, like we're kind of assuming that everything we see is real, but we've already said he's unreliable. So who knows? Maybe he didn't even give any blood or give any fork samples or any of those things. Maybe he's going to wake up in, in in Vermont. Who knows? We don't it's, know. Newhart, this shit right up. He'll be uh, he'll be shaking a snow globe at the end of the uh, series. <laughs> Staying elsewhere. So, so what is your theory? Hit me though, up Mike? again. <laughs> What is my theory? My theory is that the phone call was fake, but the FBI conversation was real. I was happy that Abby went with him. I was happy that because she talked to Shay, like he had actually earned uh, like a modicum of respect and trust from her, which I don't, I desperately don't want him to lose. 
So I'm hoping that some aspect of his paranoia is actually real. You know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they're not out to get you. Um, but that phone call just felt so fucking weird. One, how did they get his burger cell phone number? He had made it so clear if if the testing scene was a, a real thing. He had made it clear to be so anonymous, to be yeah. so unreachable. What's the point of having burner phones if the doctor's office can reach you? I'm sorry. Didn't they also say on the phone? And remind me because you guys, that could be totally wrong. Weren't they like Mr. LeBlanc? Yeah. And so, yeah. and so yeah, it yeah. has to be fake, right? Because, I mean, he said, do not associate my name with this stuff. The whole thing was wrong. Yes. The whole thing. Every, everything right. about it was wrong. I, I mean, just going into the whole thing that she has it worse than he has it. It all it all matches up with Paul's worst fears about what could be happening to Abby. But none of it lines up with how that should actually play out in, like, the real world. But because, again, I don't want him to lose any of the trust that maybe he's built up a little bit now with Abby. I, I'm hoping at least the FBI bad guys kind of thing turns out to be real. So, so at least he has some reason to be paranoid and on the run. Speaking of, what did you guys think of Abby getting shot? Shut down hard by Shay that, you know, as far as dads go, maybe you don't have it so bad. Did that make you smile? I think it was an important tip to our shit going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. The visitor from the airplane. You uh, mean? Yeah. Right. And the freaking, uh, yeah, the gentleman who Attachment went out and walkabout <laughs> right. from the prison. They could certainly got to tip the hand on that. No. The inked fellow. She was busy and they hadn't had any introductions yet. And I'm sorry. Also, can I just like say, if you were in that kind of situation, I would probably be the type of person too to turn around and be like, quit whining. We have like a situation and you're over here being like, I haven't seen my dad that much. You'd be like, shut up. <laughs> dad, dad ruined my Tinder date. You know? <laughs> Dad's trying to keep you alive, you ungrateful little ingrate. Yeah, I just think he'd be like that. Just generally, I mean, her own son is gone, husband and everything. Like, you, you'd just be like, I need you to not talk about bullshit right now. Like, I don't care who did what to the who now. Shut up. So you'd make Shay a, a soft place to fall. Welcome to my crisis situation. <laughs> That's how I'd be. I'd be like, we have to focus on something. Abby, fucking just go take a powder, read a magazine, shut up, get like, a snack. What, what do you do anyway, Abby? Do you do anything good? Because we could use something here, I'm sure. Just use your body to barricade the door. Is that good enough? Right, right. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna loot we're gonna um what's the word like weave Abby's body through the through the door handles just to hold back the crowd. What's your comfort what's your comfort comfort level with being human fodder? Right. How do you feel about that? Yeah, exactly. Does anyone have any outstanding questions for this episode that we cannot not talk about before we head on over to talk to Mr. Mosley? Grandpa Mosley, as I if think, you will. I think there's one left that we have to talk about. Okay, please. Do we trust Nacho Ramos, your handy dandy uh, handyman at the cabin where Ty and Ethan show up, who's super friendly, but I don't know. I mean, David Zayas is is a pretty big TV guest star to grab. Like, he's been on a fuck ton of shows. He's been a featured actor in a lot of shows. Seems kind of a toss away role for him just to be the handyman and have so no too. other purpose in the story what did you think paul did he was he a little too friendly a little too nice uh he stood out because i know who he is the idea that he would just be like the handyman one week does not w compute at all so does that mean he's you know involved uh somehow well probably <laughs> probably i guess i've seen him play bad guys more than good guys i don't know 
he's a good guy, right? Maybe he's like the FBI agents who come in with Scott or fake FBI agents who kidnap Abby to take her to her father. You know, maybe he's maybe he's involved, but like not like maybe on the side of the angels. Who knows? I didn't feel like he was on the side of the angels. <laughs> I felt like he was going to have somehow you know, some weird little bit of information that was going to be dropped on him, like same like our gambling, you know, computer tech guy or something like that. Like something was going to have dropped into his lap in a way that's like, when and if you get a message, you need to go and do this. And somehow next is sniffing out Shay's fam. So that's the thing about like a, an out of the way cabin or that's not even really a cabin. It's it's a pretty large place. I know in in like New England, having a caretaker for that kind of place is a very common occupation for guys. But is it so in Portland? I I don't know. I don't know. This seems like the sort of thing that you'd you'd have been told at some point. Like the place we're going, yeah, it has a guy that's going to do things like fix pipes. <laughs> right. And by the way, it's going to be something you need because the lake house you're going to loses power apparently all the time. Yeah. So we're going to so, fix some pipes. So we have to turn the power off. Yeah. Ty better go check that shit. Even if he doesn't know anything about pipes, which I'm, I think he might given, um, you know, his handiness with his uh, hands. Okay. <laughs> Clever. Spoken like a man who's not very handy. I mean, I, I think we clearly have a pull quote for the beginning of the uh, podcast episode. That's He's a awesome. man. Yeah, I don't hands. trust him, you guys. I mean, obviously, we have to have some challenges for Ty and Ethan. You know, he, they can't just sit there. Right. So it's only episode four. So there has to be something. They can't right. sit in, right. a, in a well-pointed cabin off the grid. Like, no, no, dude. They're going to have to go back on the run. You know, after sure. – You guys, can I have one big fat question? Have you guys had a blister before? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, okay, I can up. remember all the surgeries I needed to have them <laughs> fixed, if that's what you mean. Did you see that snip, snip moment? What was he cutting? Isn't there an argument that if the the, the flappy part, you know, he was cutting if, off if, like if it pops big, and it gets kind of weird, and he was cutting know. off big sections of skin. Well, it was so gross. I don't really do anything with that extra part. I thought you're just myself. supposed to let it dry. out. That's what I do. I don't it see any even need. Seem healthy to be hacking at it. If with it's scissors. not dried out, then it's it, it's still kind of ouchy to to. Oh, sensitive, fuck Mike. Do you that. cut off big parts of blisters with scissors? Uh, no, I tend to rip off the jagged edges. Uh, I like flat skin. It bothers me if there's flappy skin before so I put you a might on it. chop chop on a child. I might, yeah, I might. Oh, Mike, I, I put honey on it and let the bees get it. <laughs> I don't, I don't like flappy skin. So I like the like you know like get like like necrosis. I like to cut away all the dead stuff and then like just yeah. But I don't know. I'm Unless, weird. But are you a nail uh, biter then? I no, I am not a nail biter. If I get like a, if I get like an Ingra nail, or like if I get like a, like something get like fucked up with my cuticle or something like that, I'll gnaw at that. But like I don't normally like bite my nails. No, he's like, but I do eat hair. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. I mean, only like a topping on things. That I don't is like, so. I don't have like just a big bowl of big bowl of hair. Ew, <laughs> hate hair. <laughs> Gross gravy. Let's just point out, though, again, you know, they, this was like a whole, like, uh, covert operation, right, to get them to the lake house that's off the grid. But they show up in a big blue pickup truck, much newer than the last thing we saw them driving, which means, one, they had to steal another car at some point because we mm -hmm. saw them leaving in, like, an old sports car. 
And then, so one, they had to steal another car, but two, that pickup truck was much newer. That pickup truck's going to have electronics in it. It's going to have something trackable in there. Ooh. So it is plausible that Next is already very well aware of where Ty and Ethan are winding up. So, oh my god. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion of episode four, file number four, as it were. But don't go anywhere, guys. Stay tuned, because right now, Caroline and I have a great interview with Michael Mosley, CM himself, coming up. So stay tuned. It's right now. Joining us tonight on Conversations with Eliza is CM himself, that mysterious character in the Cybercrime Task Force, Michael Mosley. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is going to be cool. We had a Gerardo on a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. it was his first podcast. He was very excited. You are like one of the busiest guys, I feel like, in Hollywood. You're always on a show, or at least a show that I'm watching anyway. What's your podcast scene look like? Have you been podcasting a lot this last year? I've got one that's coming up. I've done like a few over the years, kind of random ones, but I haven't done like... This is this is pretty official. I think I've graduated a little bit on coming on your show. I feel like we've graduated because we've landed you as a guest. So it's it's a very symbiotic relationship. Who all have you talked to? We talked to Manny. We've talked to Fernanda. We've talked to Gerardo. And now we're talking to you. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a little bit about your road to being cast as CM. And I know there was a little bit of a hiccup. Maybe there was a little scheduling issue that maybe uh, almost presented a roadblock. Can you talk us about the audition process and how you came to be cast as CM? I was on hold with another pilot. I had shot a pilot in in uh, Covington, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And uh, I was on hold forever. And then when you're on hold, if it sounds like it's kind of, a, if the show's like kind of like weak and it's probably not going to get picked up, but they, don't, they haven't let you go yet, then they you audition in, for something called second position. And that means that a show can like you for a job, but if you're, your first position is this other job. So I, I auditioned second position for next. They said they liked me, but they were nervous because if this other show decided to go, you know, if they shoot with you, then they lose all that footage and they have to recast. But so at the 11th hour on Friday, this one show for Showtime let me go. And then next called and they were like, so yeah, it was like, it was like a free agent for like two hours there. And then, and then next picked me up. So it was great. I love that they snatched you right up. I was lucky because I read the script and it was bizarre, right? It wasn't like anything else I'd really read. It was a uh, very serialized and very, um, you know, like a thriller. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about spoilers and stuff like that. Like, I have to be careful because I don't think I've been on a show that has so many cliffhangers. They do. And so far, we have been really applauding them for how many times they don't go down the road we expect them to. Yeah, no, it's even the cast when we get the scripts, we don't, you know, we're, we're flipping pages too. We can't believe you know, some of this stuff. It was, it's really cool. I just watched three because they just released three on Hulu. Did you know that? They released it early. Well, cause you guys are being preempted by the world series next week. Yeah. So we're yes. trying to, trying to swerve from the series, the world series. So they released the third one early, which was cool. So I was watching that to kind of remind myself where we're, we are when I talk to you. You've played so many different roles. You've been Everett Lynch on Criminal Minds and my personal fave, Pastor Mason on Ozark. Oh, yeah. What about next the show or, or actually the character of CM drew you in? You know, it's it's weird. Sometimes I think you just have a pitch for something. You know, you can read something and you just kind of think, oh, I kind of have a pitch for this. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if there's anything about the guy drew me in. I mean, I, I, his politics I, I, are not mine, obviously. You know, that's not obvious, I guess, but I'm telling you. A collective it. sigh. Always <laughs> <laughs> across you know, the land. That, that voice is out there, you know what I mean? And, oh, uh, for sure. It's something that I can't judge as an actor. I have to just, yeah, I don't know. I just had a pitch for him, I think. I just, I was like, oh, I think I, got, I, think I can, I have an idea about how to do this guy. Is that important to you when you're going to play a character, especially if it's going to be something serialized and, and really have like a full running arc on it? Do you need to like 
understand who this character is or are you because there are some actors who just said no i read the lines you know i give a couple different takes i see which one the director likes and i do my job it's always different i mean like like i said this one kind of came out when i when i got cast as, as pastor mason young they had another guy that was in that job and something didn't work out so i was like the second string that they called me in to play pastor mason so they called me in and i was like obviously so pumped to have the job but i didn't really have a, a grasp on that guy I mean, I, I watched <laughs> Bethany Ann Lynn who played my wife. I remember the first day we were on set, I was watching her and I was like, she was just doing everything so simple and so like, so calm. And, so, and I was just like, that's it. I'm going to do what she's doing. So I kind of just like fell into her rhythm. And then, and then kind of, that's kind of how I walked that line. So that one was, didn't come as, as easy. So some of them, I think you do, you kind of wing it, you know, and you just, you know, hope for the best and plan for the worst and hopefully wind up somewhere in the middle. I need to share a little fanboy with you. Not, not that like I stalk you or anything, but <laughs> years ago, when I ran my very first TV blogging website, there were three shows that kind of launched that site that I was following. Uh, one of them was Pan Am. But I go back to Kings. I remember you in Kings and Last Resort. But like Pan Am was like uh, one of these like first shows. And so I, I, it's always held a place kind of in my heart for like the beginning of my TV writing career. Pan Am for, specifically? Well, yeah, it was one of the three. It was Person of Interest, it was Pan Am, and it was Once Upon a Time. Those three shows kind of oh, all yeah. like launched my TV coverage where I began to write and cover and critique right. and talk about TV. Family. Well, that was a cool time. You know, I got to work with Margot Robbie on that. Mm-hmm. Show. Yeah. That poor girl, you know, I hope she can get a break one of these days. You know what I mean? She just, she's got, there's so much talent there. And it's just, I want, I wish the world could see that. You know, it's so funny. She, I remember, she I mean, was she's like, all potential. Like but, you know. She was like a new kid on the block, you know? And yeah. I remember we were at, having dinner the night, well, like the weekend before we were going to shoot. She was just from right here from Australia. She was like this surfer kid. And I was just like, okay, you know, don't worry. You know, she, I think she said that when she was shooting on her show in Australia, they didn't even have chairs for the actors, actors to sit on. They had like fucking, pardon my French, they had crates. They had like crates. And then I remember when we were wrapping up that show, she was looking at an email and she was like, I, I'm, I'm going to meet Martin Scorsese for this film, Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh. I was like, her first big audition. This is cute. And I was like, well, just don't be nervous. And I'm thinking I'm like, you know, being like her big brother. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right, you, right. you'll be okay, kid. You probably won't get the first one. And then boom, out of the rocket she went. I mean, if that was a stack cast. Though. I mean, you had, you had, obviously you have you, you have her, you have Christina Ricci, yeah. and you have Mike Vogel, who I'm a, I was a big fan of when he landed on The Brave a couple of years later. Everyone in that cast became something that I was just a fan to follow. Well, that was like every little kid's dream to get to sit up and pretend you're a pilot in the cockpit. And we did, Mike knows how to fly. So we would go to flight simulators out at LaGuardia and he actually you know, he could fly a plane, Mike can. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't. I did not know that. But let's get back to the show. I just. I just needed to get that out a little bit. I've been holding on to it. So, <laughs> this show is very high tech. It's a techno thriller of the nth degree. And you, as CM, are kind of like the preeminent hacker. You're spending a lot of every episode talking in in heavy computer language. What kind of research, if any, did you do into to prepare for that role, or just prepare for like the state of AI? Eve Harlow, who's uh, who's kind of she's my kind of she's gonna we're gonna kind of buddy up on. This. This show a little bit we're kind of like un- unwilling i don't know what the word is you're like frenemies right now off the backgrounds you know what i mean so we're kind of forced to kind of all trying together to to do this it's, that's this is beyond politics whatever she um is like my she's like my bullshit meter because she poured over all this stuff and listens to all these podcasts and she reads like 100 books a week i would bounce stuff off of her but as far as like the computer programming stuff goes i'm kind of a grandpa i'm kind of grandpa mosley when it comes to tech and stuff like that i'm not to, I have to do a, um, oh, what is it called? A Reddit 
thing. I don't know. I've never even done that. I guess I go and I get on Reddit and talk to people or something. I'm doing that in a couple of weeks, but I have to like go into the office because they're like have to walk me through it. That's how not. Yeah. Oh man, where? I mean, there are great ways to interact with you know stars of your favorite shows. Is it going to be tough? People are going to come at me swinging. No, the AMAs actually tend to be like the people show up who want to like not be dicks. But Reddit as a platform can be uh, interesting. It's a little no, no holds bar. It's a little that people okay. say whatever they want to you. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. but the but the AMAs are great though. I mean, it's it's like the it's it's like going to a con, but you're okay. the only one on the stage. Yeah, that's another thing I got yeah. to do with this joke the first time. I've never done the whole comic con stuff. That stuff's fun. That's yeah. You guys got to participate in the San Diego Comic-Con at home. Uh, what was that like? I mean, I know it was virtual, but it, it's still a big stage for the show. I guess so. I mean, I, I, we, did, we did the real one last year before all, the, all this chaos. It was cool. I've never been to a Comic-Con. I've never, I've never been to, like, in, that, in the convention center or whatever. I mean, it's those dudes' house. Like, all those kids with their toys and their comic stuff. It's like, you're in their house. It's really funny. I feel like on the outside, maybe those kids don't always fit in. But when you're in there... Like they're in charge, and it's just it was hilarious. But the the one we did at home was um it's it's just weird. All this stuff has been weird. Doing all this stuff in our pajamas and stuff, and you know, <laughs> right, such a weird time. It's a really good segue into what I wanted to talk to you about about our everyday tech. Next is doing an amazing job of showing us how much tech is just in our everyday lives, especially this last episode with you, where there was actually an artificial virus looking to wipe out humanity, which feels way too real for 2020 and just oh, yeah. way too like what the heck is going to happen next, especially since you said you're like Grandpa Mosley here. Does working on next make you like even that much more aware and maybe a little wary of the technology i mean i definitely think that's what the show really you know is putting you know is, is shining a flashlight on so we, you have to kind of think about it right i think we're in a bit of like existential whiplash when it comes to this technology it's all coming at us so fast i mean you know existentially right i mean when i was not to be grandpa mosley again but you know when i you know for a quarter of my life you know when the phone rang and if you weren't home you just weren't home that was that and so now I have, I can, now in my phone, I have every bit of information man has ever, has ever written down. You know what I mean? So it's bizarre. It's just such, it's, it is, it's crazy. I've started to hit the do not disturb. Like when I'm with people, like I just do not disturb. Like nice. if I'm like ha having dinner or something or which that doesn't happen very often anymore. But like when I was in Chicago, you know, I remember, you know, I would, I would just turn it off. It's just, uh, yeah. Just like, what if you don't have it for two hours? Like, so what? Like, who's on fire? Why do, why do I need to be, you know, that accessible all the time? That's super mannerly of you, Mike, honestly. But when it comes to the things like the Amber Alert and all that, you yeah, know, we've had situations. If my, if my kid got, if my kid got yeah. scooped up, I mean, an Amber Alert would be amazing. I mean, that that's yeah. amazing. That's beautiful technology. Yeah. But at the same time, how it can be hacked and used against you is so frightening. Yeah, that's a spoiler right there. That that could happen on next. We, we will have to wait. <laughs> well, I guess we're brought <laughs> that's up okay. By now. It already happened. Yeah, well. it's already happened by the time this comes out, though. But you're right, though. We're that, safe we, there. We have, we have not seen it yet as of right this that's moment right. Okay. we're recording this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, no, it, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, we were recording the episode and uh, two of the three of us are dads on, on the podcast. And yeah, it's kind of terrifying when it's something very real. Like, it's one thing when you watch something like that's in the future and it's a flying car, you know, or something like that. And it's easy to like dismiss it, right? But when it's stuff like Amber Alerts, it's stuff like artificial viruses, you know, it's, it's your, your phone betraying you or whatever. What the hell's up with that cloud? Like, 
That's just waiting for like some super villain to like bust that thing open. I mean, is that am I just being like conspiracy or is like the cloud vulnerable? Is the cloud smart? Do you guys use the cloud? Am I in the cloud? I'm probably in the cloud. <laughs> You're probably in the cloud. <laughs> You're definitely in the cloud in more ways than you probably have any idea. Yeah, it's terrifying. If if you actually stop and think about it, it's best not to really because I don't know how people get out of bed. <laughs> you know, we we think about it and we you know, we 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 are worried about it, but the idea of setting our phone down or like losing this technology is like Absolutely no. We're not going to do that. You know what I mean? It's, we don't even consider it. Do you know what I mean? The amount of times that I've gasped when Paul LeBlanc puts someone's phone like into water, like drops it into <laughs> something, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> it's embarrassing right. because, yeah, it's it's that whole feeling of like, but that's their phone! <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've been saying kind of since day one, when, when we first got screeners, even before we began recording the podcast, we were just checking out the show. CM seems like one of the most interesting people that we wanted to learn about his backstory because he's this, you know, fell in with an ankle bracelet working in an FBI office. There's you know, something really kind of mysterious about there. Tonight's episode, we finally got to delve into a bit the white supremacy organization and his past. And we learned he had a son, you know, we learned he was the one he, that brought down the group, the, the traitor of Rock Ridge title and everything how much about him did you know going into the show because again this is episode four now so it's been teased for a while but tonight was like a big information dump for the audience how much of him did you know and and did these kinds of revelations when you got like this script change how you kind of played him i didn't know anything i didn't know anything about cm i uh i just knew that you know he had this alt-right past and um you know a couple years ago that was one thing and now it seems like it's like people with guns that pull. so i didn't know the how, how serious or where this guy was going to go i only knew that if he did have this alt-right past if he did believe in this stuff he had to kind of atone for that so i didn't want to be this like kind of white supremacist with a heart of gold i didn't want to does that make sense i didn't want this guy to be to be that forgiven for right. his past so that was the only thing i wanted to try to to try to play if that makes sense and no, I mean, I think that comes across. I mean, he seems like he definitely has an edge to him. I'm not sure how faithful he is to the white supremacy like tagline, but you get the impression that he's carrying around guilt for the things he's done, but not yeah. to the point that he's like this like reformed angel. No, I, I think that's coming across. That's how I'm taking him anyway. I don't yeah. know, Caroline, you have a different take or, at all. Oh, yeah, totally different. No, obviously. <laughs> you guys. No, I mean, I, I, I think like... he's an angel. He's a, <laughs> he's a pure sweetheart. Clearly. Yeah. No, I appreciated the fact that you know, there's been a lot of emphasis on strained relationships between parents and kids. And I'm glad that, you know, CM, when we're given the backstory, both explained his background of things with his own father, and then you can see things with his own son. You know, there's a lot going on here. I don't think anyone's being written like this simple, you know, like you said, white supremacist with a heart of gold. <laughs> Not yeah, at all. Yeah. There's actually a scene in this episode tonight where you're talking to Gina, the aforementioned Eve Harlow, and you relate this story about how your father would reward you with fast food but if a black person was at the counter you would leave and you tell that story to her it seems almost like this is how i came to be where i am and i think she takes it the character seems to take it as like you making a defense for being a racist kind of going towards your not with a heart of gold but maybe trying to make up for his past i was curious that seemed like an important scene between cm and gina like he he wants her to not hate him did she take that story the right way is he using that as a this is why i don't like people of color or is it more like a this is how i came to be in this position i think it's yeah i think it's the latter i think it's i don't think it was like uh I'm mad at people of color because I didn't get my hamburgers as a kid. I think 
which is right. I think what you're saying is how she took it. That is how but she, I, yeah, right, right. I think it's a good point because it is a it is a kind of a lame story to toss out. You know, it, it could it could be taken that way, but I think what he, he what CM's really saying is this is one of five hundred stories that I could tell you about the bullshit that would come out of my dad's mouth. You know what right. I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of what. That's what he was trying to say in that in that moment. You know what I mean? The, here's one example of how my dad turned my brain into scrambled eggs with regards to this stuff. Almost like you're indoctrinated. But I think it's one of those things where it's clearer to you coming out of your mouth than someone who already has kind of a preconceived notion hearing it. You know, she's yeah. going to hear it. She, she, she's going to hear it the way she already has an idea of you. Exactly. That's exactly right. We've talked a lot on the podcast about everyone's relationship on this team because it's a little bit confusing at times um, because people don't seem to trust each other. And that's not necessarily what we expect when we're coming onto a team of agents who would have been working together. There seems to be a lot of mistrust amongst everyone, except I feel like CM and Shay have a real understanding between the two of them and they have a really nice rapport. Can you speak to that at all? Because there's not much that's been revealed about that. Well, I think it'll be revealed failed him out and we'll learn why like he owes a lot of his new station in life to her and he's very thankful for that because i don't think he was in a position to get a second chance there was that little tip there that where he basically says something in this episode to that effect of like i owe it to you that definitely piqued all of our interest like why (laughs) what exactly is going on there yeah yeah, no, you'll so find we out. We'll see more. Yay! Yes, yes, you get you. You'll see uh, some of CM's past is gonna is gonna start to unfold as as the uh, as the series proceeds. You know, obviously tonight's episode ends with a explosive cliffhanger, but. Uh, and without being spoilerly, you know, we, we were definitely curious because now we've gotten a little bit of the iceberg. We've gotten that tip. Like, we want to know more. Will we be able delving more into your background? We know you've got the sun now with Hannah. Rest in peace, Hannah. You know, so there's this whole new world or side to see him that feels like it got opened up. Are, are we going to get to explore that more as the season goes on? Yeah. Like they say in the don't introduce a gun in the first act if you're not going to, if it's not going to appear in the second act. You know what I mean? Oh, yep. like, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a peek behind the curtain of cm's past you know for a reason i love that this relationship with gina i think caroline pointed out the relationship that kind of has marked cm right it's this very loyal loyal nature to uh to shay you know to the point where he's even getting like interrogated by mathis and kind of getting hauled away from his computer which is super embarrassing on top of a a bunch of other things but he's steadfast in his loyalty to her but the gina play with him and, and uh, CM, like he's throwing, he's given Ben lots of shade. He's Ben is kind of a narc, right? But yeah. Gina kind of speaks CM's language. So there's like an oil and vinegar thing, but they go good together. Are we going to see more in that relationship as the season goes on? Yeah. There, yeah. This there. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're odd bedfellows, you know, is that the right term? You know what I mean? Like that's yes. kind of, that's kind of, it's like, you know, it's like if, like if NPR and QAnon went on a date or something, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like, that's kind of what, you know what I'm saying? And so like, yeah. that's kind of what those two are. We definitely team up. Well, you'll have to see, but blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the that will now. they, won't they? You're like the, you're like the cybercrime Ross and Rachel. You know, if Ross was a reformed white supremacist, it's it's basically a modern love story. So, oh my god. Um, okay, so I know you already said you're Grandpa Mosley, but do you guys have many smart devices in your own house? And have you felt like you're like extra, like looking at them? And or would you have them in your house at this point if you don't already? Yeah, I mean, I just got a new TV. I still am figuring it out, but I know that if I push this one button, all of a sudden it it asks me if it wants to access my other appliances and i was like what the fuck does this thing have to say 
to my other appliances. Like, what, <laughs> could they, what could they possibly, like what? So it's bizarre. Um, Love that. But, and then the other thing is that my phone now, it tells you how many hours a week you're looking at it. Yeah, that's my Sunday morning. My phone shames me every Sunday morning. <laughs> oh my Gosh. God. And I look at the time suck and I'm like, are you, no way. Was I on the phone? Was I staring at like Instagram that long? Like what am I doing on this thing? We, <laughs> Caroline, we were this close to getting a glimpse into Mike's uh, search, search history on this for a second like which one am i gonna say which one am i gonna say instagram yeah 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 i was just on yeah. instagram a i was on, i was just on pinterest looking at baking recipes yeah, absolutely <laughs> no no i mean the amount of candy crush i play in a week is embarrassing i literally feel shamed by my phone like it's judging me for the amount of candy crush i play every week so i feel you i i it's a uh, golf game now that's on my ipad i slip on whatever's on tv and then i sit there and i just drool on my ipad playing this like mindless golfing game it's it's ridiculous it's therapy it's the repetition of it it's you know uh, yeah a soothing vibration if you do something good i don't know it's enjoyable oh my well not like that yes <laughs> well obviously you already said and you made very clear at the beginning like your politics aren't the same as cms but if when you look at the character and yourself like in what ways do you think you're kind of most like him and and most different i, I kind of came from a simple background you know i came I'm from iowa my, my dad worked to john deere my mom was a teacher you know my dad was a union guy my grandfather was a union guy so like i I think that the kind of distrust of like wealth, like the distrust, like the CM's distrust of uh, of uh, LeBlanc, I think he just sees him as a one percent entitled dick. You know what I mean? And so I, sure. and I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't, I'm not that like severe, but I think I come from maybe similar beginnings. I'm obviously not racist at all and not like, you know, creepy like that, but just humble beginnings. I think that, and I think that's kind of probably where CM came from. Like not that. chick magnet. What's that? That's not CM for chick magnet. That's what <laughs> no. our, our third partner in the podcast kept being like, ask him, ask him if CM is chick magnet. I was like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out in this episode his real name. <laughs> no, that's a secret too. Seven seasons in a movie or never going to find out what CM stands for. <laughs> yeah, let's keep It'll that It'll be re- revealed in the, fu- in the series finale. <laughs> It'll be the big deal. <laughs> That's what Next has been looking for this entire time. Not an artificial oh virus to wipe out humanity. His actual yeah. name. You're looking for CM's <laughs> real name. How is working on this set with this crew? Is it, I know you've been on so many different ones. My sister's dying for me to ask you about Castle and the set and working on there. But how is Next yeah. different for you than, say, Castle? Hey, well, a Castle, I'm just a hired gun. You know, like I'm, I'm just trying to stay out of everybody's way. But Castle, everybody's really sweet. Nathan Fillion is like such a good quarterback quarterback and a good guy and like he's just awesome he like yeah he's just really like left a note my trailer welcome back you know you know um because i played this creepy killer on that show uh but next you know it's more our house because it's our we're the regulars so it's like you know you have much more ownership over the experience and uh the material and all these people are just they're awesome they're so fun. We have a great time. You know what I mean? It's a thriller and it's fun and it's like very popcorn-y and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's just a fun set, you know? Everybody's just having a good time. And all these people are like my new friends, you know? It's great. Slattery's awesome to, as, as a quarterback, you know? He he's, brings like all his experience and then he's also like been on so many sets over the years that he knows, you know, what's important and what's not and when he's to crack a joke. smooth, right? Yeah. Although I really love that about CM because one of the things I always am looking for is a, is a clever character and like moments like when you like swap your desktop over to, to Gina, like little moments like that, but you stay real cool and calm about it. I'm like, I love a character like that. I love when they're written so smooth. Yeah, yeah. No, I did. He does get to, he is kind of a man of few words. He's a fun guy. 
But... Yeah, I, I like kind of how he goes toe to toe with uh, the Paula, you know, with Paula Blanc. Also, I mean, there's a good chemistry there because Paul is obviously older than CM, and there was this great line a couple episodes ago where you you were talking about having hacked, I think, the DOD or something like that, and he's like, you know, nice humble brag, and and without missing a beat, CM goes, it wasn't a humble brag, it was a brag brag, and it's just like a nice kind of like old dog, new dog, you know, kind of uh, chemistry between the two of them. So uh, it's fun yeah. watching you guys being off of each other. He's funny. Yeah, no, he's always busting my balls about uh, you know, our, our skills. We're always like, we're, we're, we're competitive. You know what I mean? I love that. We are just about wrapping up here at the end. I know you are on social media. I know you're interacting with the fans during the air times and shows. But if people wanted to follow you, where can they find you on social media? I'm Michael Mosley on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm at Mike Mosley, M-I-K-E-M-O-S-L-E-Y. But there's check marks on both of them. So, you, so hopefully you won't miss it. There you go. You guys should definitely go give Mike a follow and tell him how much you love the show. Tell him how much you love CM. You know, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's just a hardworking guy just trying to not be blown up, you know. so <laughs> Thanks for watching sad. the show. And thanks for getting the word out. And thanks for being fans. We, we want to make more of these. Absolutely. We cannot wait. We are looking forward to more CM action here. So thank you so much for talking with us today. Got it. Talk to you later. Thanks. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you, Michael Mosley. You were a treat. Thanks so much for all the time you sat there. We had we had a little uh, Zoom technical stuff going on at the beginning there, but you were a sport, and we really appreciate it. It's always great when these guys just kind of come on and like they just want to talk. I love the enthusiasm everyone kind of has for the show. It really beats the shit out of those people that come on interviews and really don't want to talk. <laughs> all right, you guys. <laughs> the biggest question at the end of this episode has got to be, did CM live? Is he going to make it? Does he survive? And what does this mean for killing off main characters? Mike, let's start with you. I mean, I think it's an R.I.P. Ron Mathis situation, the FBI boss. I think uh, I think he's the only one who's going to walk out of here of the people who have a name on the show that's that's dead. Yeah, I think it's a spectacular cliffhanger. I love a good explosion in a government building. It's a middle of a season. I think that's dramatic. I think it, it was kind of shocking, actually. I remember watching it and, and kind of like actually being very surprised the first time I saw it. But I don't think any core character is going to die because of it. Not now, anyway. Not at episode four. No. I agree. Although CM was only, what, 20 feet or something? I mean, yeah, he was running towards it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was running towards the bottom. So you guys think he's still alive? Uh, uh, yes, but only because they got a name brand guy to, to play the role and it's only four episodes in. And yeah, I think. And he's and he's got a kid now that we know about. I mean, a huge twist and, and the and mother's dead. So now we have an orphan kid. If, my, if CM is dead, that seems like a lot of stuff to to pile into one episode just to kill him off. I think I think he's definitely alive through whatever Dusek Machina they come up with for episode five. I am maintaining that after we had Dr. Parrish pass away and we discussed this in the previous episode that oftentimes that people with special needs are not somebody you're going to kill off. So if you were doing that, then that meant like, oh, wait, does that mean that like Ethan's plausible? And if Ethan was on the table, then couldn't any of our main characters outside of Shay be ready for murder i just to paul's point though i mean michael mosley is is pretty he's like david zayas he's like a known guy i don't think you bring him on to blow him up when you're just scratching the surface of his interesting story that seems to make no sense to me i don't want to ruin anything about any other series that our friend michael mosley's been on but um he doesn't always live so (laughs) neither does sean bean but he keeps trying though (laughs) and we appreciate that about sean i mean he's gonna make it out of a series or a movie alive one day 
So on that note, stick around for next week, you guys, and let's see who lives and who dies on next. This is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Eliza, the next podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Conversations with Eliza on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us five stars. It makes Apple Podcasts not want to track us down like Nextdoor Eliza and haunt us. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.